Hello, and welcome to Conversations with me, Dr. Theo Blackmore, part of the Discover Voices Media Network. Hello, so first of all, Happy New Year 2024 to all of the listeners to the podcast, and um, I hope 2024 brings everything that you want from it and more besides. Our first interview this year, my first interview this year, is with Hi, I'm Caitlin Gould. Um, so I'm the founder of Tech Women, which is a community interest company. And we run a number of projects in Cornwall, including Tech Girls, a digital uplift project, and most relevant for this conversation, a new topic called Control-Alt-Delete. Sorry, could you say that again? You've kind of faded out a little bit. Can you just say that again? Control-Alt-Delete, did you say? Yes. Yes, Control Alt Delete. So that's our new uh, Inclusivity Innovation Summit. Great, that sounds really interesting. So let's start at the beginning. So, is are you a Cornish organisation or are you a national organisation? Yeah, so we're a Cornish organisation. So I think maybe if I even start a tiny bit before then. So it's probably worth saying um, my background. So you might be able to hear from my voice, and it can confuse where our origins are. But I'm originally from California. Um, but I moved to London when I was a student and then moved to Cornwall about 13 years ago um, and worked in the digital and tech sector um, all the way through, including for a number of uh, companies in Cornwall. Um, and we started Tech Girls when I was still working in the sector because we noticed there was a real lack of representation of diversity within the sector. Um, and that's known internationally, but we really wanted to look at what that meant for people in Cornwall with a lot of different elements to it. So there's other national programs to help girls get into these spaces and support women in these spaces, but none of them came past Bristol and none of them really understood the complexity of what it meant to live in Cornwall, the accessibility challenges in Cornwall. And so we really set up to be a Cornish organization first. And that's something that's carried through with everything we do with all of our projects. So we're actually based at the Hall for Cornwall. We're, we're, I'm in the Hall for Cornwall offices now. And it's, um, yeah, and all, um, all of our events are in Cornwall. And, and so you're based in the Hall for Cornwall, you say? Yeah, yeah. We've got offices here um, up above the, the stage door. So we're kind of sandwiched between the, the stage door and the rehearsal space. So it's a uh, last month with the, uh, all the nice, um, we got to hear a lot of uh, the trips to Neverland and the panto. <laughs> so. Great, so you get free tickets. You can open the door a little tiny bit, just listen to everything that's happening. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so that's really interesting. So you, so you mentioned about the um, lack of representation in the in this kind of area, in this kind of space for girls, women, and um, other groups of people. But famously, there's underrepresentation in STEM subjects as, as a whole, isn't there? STEM being science, technology, engineering, and maths, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. I was talking with people about this earlier today. So our tech is TEC, there's no H, and it's technology, engineering, and creative. Um, and the reason we focused on those spaces is because we did the numbers and we looked at the data in Cornwall and we noticed that actually girls are participating now in maths and sciences on almost an equal level as boys are, which is brilliant. It shows that a lot of the STEM work has really made a difference, but engineering and computing science and some of the more creative spaces like film production, animation, games development, those areas are still really, really low participation from girls. We're talking under 10% of girls choosing those subjects. So that's why that's the area that we're really focused on. Well, that's amazing. So. Yeah, I mean, well done for spotting the gap. So there's obviously a gap there. And so how does that relate to disability and disability issues? I mean, I know, for example, that a lot of friends of mine, you know, they spend an awful lot of time for various different reasons on computers, in virtual spaces, on the internet. Um, and that might include gaming and other kind of areas like that. But what kind of involvement do you have in relation to sort of girls, young women and, um, you know, disability yeah so it's a really interesting and kind of multi multi-faceted path into it so 
I think, you know, in the first instance, um, our first element of accessibility really came up when um, COVID hit. And that was right when we were first getting started. And we had a crash course lesson in the digital divide in Cornwall. So we got really active with a number of other organizations to try to figure out very quickly how to get devices out to kids, how to get access and dongles. Um, and I think that was a real eye opener to me in terms of that type of access. Um, once we started doing that and once we started doing more online learning, we also um, started to understand other access needs. So we, we were doing online learning stuff, which could be useful for some children with different um, learning needs. Um, and then when we got back into communities, so our first kind of in-person events we did after COVID was with the Cornwall Museum Partnership. Um, and we went out to 10 different communities all around Cornwall. And we had a lot of children coming to these events who had different needs. Um, and that really opened my eyes into, are we in venues that are accessible? Do we have the right training? Especially some of the children had quite severe autism. Um, and being a, a quite extroverted American, my interest in running up to people, wanting them to like me and talk at them, I suddenly realized I needed some training on, on children that would find that terrifying. Um, and so we went through a big learning curve to make sure that we could really serve anybody that came to the events. Um, what we also discovered too, was that a lot of the type of things that we were doing, because it wasn't in a traditional classroom setting, because a lot of it was play and exploration, we had a lot of children who came to it who couldn't do this type of stuff at school. They don't, they're not able to like sit down and really work on a project without anyone distracting them for four hours if they wanted to spend that time making a film or jump up and dance all around the room and film from all different directions. And because we are a much more informal way of doing it, we could open up and, and really understand what the needs of these children were and how to make sure that our projects, we always had something different that they could do so that anybody that came along could take part depending on their different levels of interest, ability, skills, and kind of natural inclinations. So I think for, that was our really big introduction into this needs to be a core part of our organization. Um, then going forward, we started to do more events for women as well. We had a lot of women that work in the space that said, especially post COVID, we'd like to meet up and get to know each other. And we had, for me, it was a real kind of game changer event. Um, it was for International Women's Day two years ago. And we were again working with another organization and they'd booked a venue. And we, we had this amazing speaker. She came down from Airbnb She's a wheelchair user and she's working with them on accessibility. Um, and the venue that they booked, I suddenly was like, oh, I just assumed. I was like, well, you've got toilets, right? You've got wheelchair accessible toilets. And they said, no, she's going to have to use the toilet at Tesco's. And for me to sit there and go, oh, my gosh, I've got to ask the speaker who's take, giving her time, coming from this big organization to speak at my event, to go to Tesco's, that's, that's not okay. And so we went that day, we went and we rewrote all of our policies from that point forward of we only work in venues that have full accessibility. Um, we, this is why we're based at the Hall for Cornwall. Um, it was the most accessible workspace we could find and why, you know, going forward when we look to host things, there's a lot of amazing, cool spaces in Cornwall, but we just won't host our events there unless we know that everybody can come and be themselves and feel comfortable. Right. You know, it's always been problematic in Cornwall because there's loads and loads of spaces and it's, it's often the case that they either don't have accessible toilets, like you say, or the toilets that they do have are out of date or run down or filled up with cleaning equipment or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think we, it, like I said, we really try to be very broad with our um, definition of inclusion as well. So we also think about things, can people get there by public transport easily? Um, if they if they need parking, can they get to parking? Can they access the building? All of these things. Um, just because we do, we don't want this to be projects and things for only a few. We really want it to be anybody who's interested and wants to come along to come. Uh, we have had as well. We've had some people saying, 
you know, you say girls and you say women, what about anybody else? And we we always say absolutely everybody is welcome. Um, we have white cis men come along as well, you know, but it's anybody that feels like they're interested in the event. And especially we found for the kids, they don't care as long as they get to come and do fun, free stuff. Um, so we have never had a problem with boys attending our events. They still come, but it, we get more girls coming to events that we'd had before that didn't say girls on it. So that way, again, it's just that very careful of like, we want everybody to feel welcome and be able to come to our things. Great. And so you said something earlier then about um, kit and tech and getting tech to people during COVID and that kind of thing. And it was an area that you weren't particularly familiar with. I mean, there's issues around accessibility and getting particular kind of disability accessible kit to people. But, you know, Cornwall, which some people don't know, is an area of great poverty and deprivation. There are pockets of Cornwall where people literally can't afford food you know 70 yeah. percent or something of people are using food banks not in Cornwall necessarily but nationally even um, are disabled people so there's lots of disabled people who just don't have any kit so this is an area that's automatically they feel it's automatically closed to them because they just don't have any access to it including internet access as well as the actual hard you know soft um, hardware you know the computers and the telephones so do you work in that space as well do you absolutely so yeah again when we were working on the project and it was a big team it wasn't just our team and we had a couple of really great people that pointed that out they said we can't just give them laptops we've also got to give them dongles they have to be prepaid dongles we need to make sure that you know and and we do we have when people come to some of our events and we've got a stop motion animation kind of studio thing, we make sure we choose apps that if they wanted to do later on, they're free to use. But we bring devices to the events as well. We bring tablets because we don't want the parents to have to say, I haven't got data. I don't want my child to use the phone. I haven't got a smartphone. Um, you know, we'd like them to, we just don't want it to have to even be a conversation. So we just say, you can use our tablets or not. You have some parents that just want the kids to use the tablets because they don't want their kids on their phone. Um, but we don't want anyone to feel like they have to declare themselves in order to be able to access something. We just want to assume it's there in the first place. Um, I think the point you made too, and I mentioned we've got, and it was our, it's probably our most accessible program to date. Um, but we we launched last year um, a new program called Digital Uplift. And this is a, a program to try to help women who are interested in moving into the digital space for work, but have absolutely no idea where to start. And what we did for this, so this is a collaboration with us and some of the team at True and Penwith College. And I sat down with Naomi, who's kind of head of digital skills over there. And we didn't even think about what the course content was going to be at all. We just sat down and the first thing we did was there is, there's been programs for years. There's been funding for years in Cornwall to help people get into work. And there's been digital skills training. Why are people not taking those? So how, what's the barriers? And we looked at and we said, okay, do they have devices? Do they have internet access? Do they want to come in person or would they rather not come in person? I, I'm a big believer in just because something is advertised as free, it's not free training if people have to spend eight hours of their day at it and they have to have, they have to get to it. They have transport, they have care. They might already have work, um, but they can't take the risk of missing a day of, um, they might be caring for partners. Um, they might have complex needs. That means they can't go for eight hours on a course. Um, so what we ended up with is what we hope is a and constantly improving, really, really accessible course. So it's all pre-recorded. All of the videos are um, properly captioned, not auto caption generated. Um, you can watch them at any time, at any speed. Uh, they're 20 minute segments. They're broken up into short, sharp chunks. Um, and the course, although it's set out with different themes each week, they can people can move at their own pace. There's no tests. 
there's no um kind of moving people along and then the big thing we added uh, we've done this twice now and on the second one we've provided mentors for everybody and those mentors can be other people in the industry just to help with a lot of the confidence um and what we found is we've got a lot of women on that course uh it's about 20 to 30 percent do have different needs um sometimes multiple ones you know and they've said you know it's the first time I haven't been forced I, I don't feel comfortable leaving my home but I still am interested in this topic or I you know they've gone on other training sessions that had 500 people on a webinar which for their ADHD just spiraled them um and they couldn't pause in the middle of a webinar and go do the deep dive that they needed to do to then really comprehend it um let alone bathroom breaks like um so I think that program in itself really that's the first time we set out to be inclusive first we also built it with women so we talked to the women that weren't taking part and said okay what do you need how can we make sure this happens um and so I think that's part of the reason why we've gotten really really good feedback on it and it's um it's rolling forward now we've got a new one starting in February I should say it's 100% free as well but also if people need help with childcare, if people need devices if people need support with travel we offer all of those things great and so you've got this event coming up in february where is that yeah be? so how this all why how how the heck did we get to a inclusive innovation event um so i we're really good friends with an organization in cornwall called software cornwall um, and they were putting together, they're, they're an organization that represents a lot of the tech and software companies across Cornwall. And they wanted to put together a festival of tech week. Um, so similar to what you might get in Bristol or London or Leeds. And we really, they wanted to do something like that. And they approached me and said, would you like to do a, a day, you know, your own event on it that was around um, inclusion? And the natural thing would have been for me to do a women in tech event. Um, but there's already a lot of those. Like they already, there's tons of them. And I wanted instead, I thought it would be great is I've learned so much in the last year about inclusion and accessibility. What if I built the event that I could learn from? Like we're a very small, we're, we're really good at gender and we're getting better at understanding inclusion with support from other organizations. But how cool would it be if I got together all the other pieces of the inclusion pie and we could all share and learn from each other? Um, so I pushed back and said, I'd like to do actually an inclusive and accessible innovation summit. Um, and I'd like to bring in all the speakers that I want to learn from and I want to, I, I'd, I'd like to talk to. Um, and then that way I figure if I'm learning, <laughs> then every, everyone's learning. And I just, I think there's so much um, crossover and I've been introduced to this, the new term of kind of intersectionality um, for a lot of excluded people. And I just think, you know, that's, that's that core thing of the event. If we can all listen to each other and learn from each other and understand that lots of people don't identify with just one thing, then we could represent that in this conference. Um, and the, the big thing for the conference, too, is there are already programs and conversations and events talking about the problems in these spaces. And those are really, really important. And there's a lot of academic conferences about it. Um, I wanted this to be a little bit more of a celebration. So I wanted to bring in people that could share what they're making, that could show off that making accessible technology is a good business. It's really viable. It's great. I wanted to kind of highlight how exciting this is as an industry, both in the problems it's solving for people, but also as a place that deserves investment and funding and innovation um, and bringing those tech companies together, but also really inviting the broad inclusion community to come and have those debates and be able to stand up and say, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday who she was saying she's got a son who's a wheelchair user and also does a kind of a lot of screen communications. And she said, I can't find a wheelchair and a screen that's just connected. Can I just get a connected one? I was like, that's it. Take that to the event. I'm sure there'll be people there. They can make it for you. That's that's what we kind of want is if we could get the people who have these needs together in the room with the people who are innovators and makers. And I just quite like the idea of lighting that spark and then just seeing where those conversations go and what we can do with it. 
but also really importantly that co-creation co-production wanting to bring in groups like disability alliance cornwall black voices cornwall cornwall pride to a little bit say have you thought about this what are you doing about that you know make sure that we've got this available if you're going to be preaching vr is this great opportunity for you know people that are wheelchair users are you going to give them vr headsets because apple's one that's just come out costs three grand <laughs> and yeah. you know so being able to have those really important constructive uh conversations as well and a bit of a healthy conflict i think would be really exciting too right healthy conflict i love it so the idea i mean so there's lots of ideas in there so the ideas around the tech itself and making that accessible and you know you said you talked about it there with a the wheelchair user but plugging it all together and there's also loads of stuff in there around the actual programs and programming and making all that accessible and making all that you know because the whole the whole idea of tech I've often spoken about this, I think, but, you know, for years and years and years, disabled people were saying, hey, look, employ me, I can work from home, get a bit of kit, get the tech, and then we can do it. And lots of companies were saying, no, 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 it's not possible. You know, you'll stay in bed all day. You won't do any work. You'll be watching telly. Productivity will go down. You're not really employable to be doing that. You've got to come into the office. And then the pandemic happened and flip, everything happened. Everything changed. The whole world started working from home. And suddenly it became clear that that's, you know, a really good option for loads of people. And you can employ whole sets of people who don't feel that they're very employable because loads of workspaces are not accessible. So, you know, there's all sorts of different strings to this bow, really. And it's a real opportunity for disabled people to, to be working. They might be working from home. They might go into offices, you know, all kinds of different kind of hybrid technologies, really hybrid working patterns. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people are really waking up to the fact that there are a lot of that kind of bedroom army of tech people who in the maybe because of um, if they've had an interest in tech and they've been doing it at home, but they haven't been able to go into the workplaces. A lot of them are extremely highly skilled, some of them better than probably some of the software engineers they've already got. They just are a bit more informally trained um which in some ways is not a bad thing um that that could be what makes them even better in terms of the way they approach problems you think about you know i'm kind of painting a picture of that bedroom hacker but that's not exactly what i mean you think a lot of people think of that as a solo person but actually a lot of these people are extremely well connected online they've got amazing online communities they've got friendship groups they've got work groups they know how to collaborate very well um and they know how to be a part of great teams um, and they've got a resilience as well that a lot of people who are suddenly forced to work in a way they're not used to, a lot of people failed at that. A lot of people didn't realize how to do it. We discovered that tons of people are actually terrible at time management and the office was the only thing keeping them on track. <laughs> so I think hopefully it's helping people really recognize that you should just be hiring for skill. You should be hiring for talent. And anything else should just fall by the wayside. Like if especially the tech sector is one of the best places for that. Um, or has the potential to be. It, it doesn't have the best reputation for it historically, um, but it absolutely has the potential to be. Um, I think the other thing too is with this event, we've got a lot of um, people who are, coming who are startup founders and what's really interesting to me is that a lot of these mo almost all of these startup founders are lived experience startup founders so myself I experienced a huge amount of um, sexism in the workplace which is what really spurred me on to doing this you know I was made redundant when I was pregnant or on maternity leave um, when I was pushed out another role when I was pregnant so for me, tech women is, you know, it's my own personal experience and and things that I'm working through. And a number of the other founders, you know, the person who, like I mentioned earlier, who was working on Airbnb, the her drive for setting up their accessibility things is she's a wheelchair user and she'd like to be, she loves traveling. And so for her, it was kind of, how can I improve this? Um, so I think that's the other real exciting potential opportunity is, it's becoming easier with a lot of new tools and 
Um, you can pop up a website very quickly these days. It's becoming easier for people to set up their own businesses and start their own startups. And, you know, there's increasingly programs around supporting um, disabled founders as well. Um, so I think it's, I'm I'm quite optimistic. I feel like it's an opportunity for there's to start to finally be this chance. And and I genuinely think the best people to be founders and creators in the kind of disability space are people with lived experiences. One of the big things we're advocating for at the summit is if you don't have the lived experience yourself, how are you working with people who who do have it? in a co-creation if or co-production way so you know don't don't go out and make a wheelchair for people if you don't have people that are wheelchair users on your team that understand what's actually needed and and that's been the way it's been done for so many years is you've had so much technology that's been built for for groups without anybody represented on the product development team or the or even within the company and they just test it and they think that's enough. And it's just not. You need it. You need that co-production, co-creation to make stuff actually really good. Yeah, we've been banging on about this for years. In the 1970s, the disability slogan, the disability movement came up with the slogan, nothing about us without us. Yeah. I can't that, believe it's, it's taken so like I it just it's so it's a no-brainer. And yeah. yet it's it's um yeah, it's it's where where it should be. And and we've got that's one of our kind of core workshops is really on we've called it so in the in the industry, a lot of people use something called a persona, which is kind of a papered piece of this is what this person is like. Um and we've just said, like, look, can we just ditch all of those? Um and actually, like you said, bring people on to create it. Um, we've got this great, she's a founder of a uh, Parkinson's um startup called um, Charco Neurotech and um, she's making she's making devices and technology to try to help people with Parkinson's and she um, you know she said we've worked with people with Parkinson's the whole way through we talked to them before we even started we've worked with them and their family and their carers we're not we don't make something and then give it to them we make stuff with them and we bring them in every day and we're working with them to do it um, because she said, you know, that's that's the only way you can create in this space in a really meaningful way. Um, she herself has had a number of of different health challenges and and brain injuries and sight problems. So she's she knows what it's like to be an overlooked group, I think. And I think that's the really key thing is, um, you know, really practicing, not just acting that slogan. So, you know, a lot of people think it's okay as long as I've thought about them, but that's very different from actually doing it, which is why I think it's so cool, all the different stuff that you guys do. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is that disabled people obviously are used to problem solving. So we do it all day, every single day. You get up in the morning and the whole day is a set of problems Absolutely. that you have to solve. And so to do tech stuff and help solve problems in the tech sector seems like a real natural fit for lots of disabled people. Uh, absolutely well and it's really interesting as well there's um I came when I was again first doing my first planning and starting for this I came across a really interesting video it came out from Microsoft a few years ago for kind of international peoples with disabilities day and um they pointed out that so much of the tech that we're seeing now the really advanced tech that we're doing has all come from a, a disability tech so all of the voice control stuff is coming from disability tech, a lot of the eye reading stuff, a lot of the virtual reality stuff, even the video calls and the text readers and so much of it. Actually, the innovation started in the disability space. Yeah. Um, and then people realized, actually, you know, this would be great for everyone. <laughs> we can make it better for everyone. You only think about every video now has closed captioning. Um, and for a lot of people, it's just so they don't annoy people on the train when they're watching a video. But that came from the disability space. And the whole thing about talking to your computer, you know, I've got this piece of software so that I can speak to my computer. But then I've got a new computer with new software and it's, you can do it all on Microsoft yeah. now. Exactly. Exactly. And so there are issues around accessibility, though, for certain specific groups of disabled people, which make it much more problematic. So as a space to get into. So, you know, for example, people with a visual impairment and, you know, I've got a friend with a visual impairment and it's always been difficult 
you know, text reader software has always been problematic and it didn't read PDFs. That's changed, I think. But they still have problems with loads of badly designed websites. Yeah. Find, people find it difficult to get into and get around them. And I guess that over time will change, but it seems to be taking quite a long time. Yeah. And again, I think this is one of the things where it's it's really it can be really frustrating for people to underestimate the value and the size and the market in this place. I think, you know, a lot of it's it's always shocking when people don't design for such a huge group and such a huge population. Um, you know, it's one in seven of the population. Yeah, people. Exactly. It's like that's a billion people across the planet. Well, and especially vision, like mobility, like hearing, are all things that people, you have people with a born disability, but it's also something that people will increasingly potentially have, and all people could suffer from at some point, you know, whether, you know, so it, it some of these things start to fall into um, disabilities that people get because of ill health later on in life. So you've got a huge market, you've got, you know, from children to 90 year olds. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's always surprising to me when there's a lack of innovation in such very obvious spaces um, and yet not surprising to me because there's such a lack of innovation <laughs> in such obvious spaces. But I do think it's getting better. I mean, I think on the on the visual side of things, I've noticed a huge I mean, it could be because I'm now better connected into the end uh, into the space. But I've noticed a marked increase in the number of people using um image descriptions and their social media um there's a big push a number of the social media sites now allow you to do it more automatically um where you can put all descriptions in the photos um there's a lot of people saying we're not going to post on you until you do um you know rl and i did a uh, or not sorry not rl and i um rnib did a um a post a few days ago basically saying hey twitter like come on like where's like there's so you're you're still broken for our community um and so i think that on the positive side people are kind of waking up to how important this is and we're seeing it here and there i mean it's that's again that was one of the things that when we started this and really said okay if we're going to do this event we need to practice what we preach it was kind of like oh we need to we need to change how we do social medias and we need to make sure we've got image descriptions on every social media post we do and it's not something we'd done before because we didn't realize um, so I think the more we can share and tell people like this is, you know, we all a lot of people moved on to pronouns over time quite quickly. And now how do we do that in some of these other spaces? Brilliant. And then there's the other thing, which is obviously tech solutions to disability problems. So, you know, lots of disabled people have specific issues that they have trouble with. And that is changing as well over time anyway so you know we've all got the alexa thing in the house so you come in the house say lights on lights off make my coffee turn the telly on and the house becomes a voice activated domain but i guess there's other kind of tech solutions that disabled people could really help make prop you know as you say somebody with parkinson's can help develop tools for people with parkinson's and that kind of thing yeah definitely and i think i think one of the really important things too and something that the industry needs to be careful of um is making sure that they understand how the different user groups are using them even if they're potentially using them in unintended ways so you know alexa's and and some of the other smart home hubs are, are brilliant for certain accessibility things but if these big tech companies decide to like on a whim change their mind and go in a new direction are they going to still like we some people can move on easily but if other people have invested in making sure their entire home is accessible to them based on this technology that they were told was going to be the future if amazon pulls out of alexa what's that going to do for a lot of people who have set up their houses around it um and who can't afford to move on from it so i think that's the thing too is it's not only understanding your your products as they're being developed but it's also understanding the kind of second life of them in terms of how they're being used um, and making sure you you appreciate and then work with that group to either iterate and improve it or make sure you don't get rid of it and and then leave a lot of people in the lurch. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we, lots of sales people are used to. We use, you know, we all have bits of kit. You can't see it, but I've got electric scooters, wheelchairs, standing frame, all sorts of different things and regular bits of medication or whatever it might be. And then suddenly 
just the thing goes off the market and you can't get it anymore. And it's an absolute disaster. Your whole life mm. could be, it was turned upside down. Mm. And so this event in February, where is it? What's the title of it? Where is it? And <laughs> how, do you um, to, how do you take part in it? Yeah, so it's again, so Control Autoly, it's a techie name. Um, if for people that don't know, it's the keyboard uh, shortcut command for rebooting your computer. And our kind of strap line for it is we really want to look at how we can reboot the industry to create a more inclusive future for all. Um, again, one of the big flashpoints for me on this was all the stuff that's happening around AI. It's it's we're right at the beginning, really, the beginning of the journey of it. And it's going to be advancing really fast, really quick. Um, and we just need to make sure that it's something that is helping as many people as possible rather than the alternative, which could very easily happen, <laughs> where a lot of people are left out and excluded from it. Um, we've already seen issues with racial bias and gender bias and um, lots of other problems in terms of access as well. You've got to be able to type stuff. Is it good at voice? Does it recognize accents? Can it understand speech impairments? All of these things. Um, so that's, that's, again, that's the reboot side of things of like, how do we make sure it's an inclusive future for all people? Um, we are hold, so it's on the 21st of February, um, and it's at the Hall for Cornwall. Uh, we're taking over the whole building. It'll be really exciting. Um, we, I like to joke, we're putting, uh, inclusivity on the big stage. So it's not kind of in a small back pub somewhere, um, is we want to give it a big stage. Um, and we've got speakers. Our speaker lineup is really excited about. So we've got speakers coming from, uh, Google, um, kind of head of inclusivity and accessibility for Europe is coming. We've got somebody coming from Accenture. Um, she's got autism and she's talking about using AI to find bias in AI, which is quite cool. Um, and then we've got other people as well from different areas. We've got um, Antonia, who actually set up the um, LGBTQT plus VR museum um and really exciting as well we've got dr um kush kanua who's he i don't know if you've come across him but he's the uh, campaigner who did the um no wheelchair um fees campaign within the nhs and got the nhs during covid to reverse all disabled um parking costs yeah so he led that campaign um, so he's coming to talk about how, as just a disabled citizen, with he was able to kind of lead and and make this what he he likes to joke is both his biggest pride and biggest disappointment that it was one of the biggest changes for disabled people within the NHS in the last ten years. And he says it it's great and yet horrible <laughs> that that there weren't other more important changes. <laughs> So he's coming to talk about how to really, really how you can create change and how if he can do it, basically anyone can because he didn't have anything special. Um, and so how, you know, that kind of what can you do and how can we change huge systems and what can we do with that? Um, and so we've got so it's a wide range of really amazing speakers that are coming into Cornwall. Um, we do we are selling tickets, but because we've had some local shared prosperity funding um, through the kind of good growth grants, we are able to offer free tickets um, to anybody who is working for a nonprofit, any volunteers for a nonprofit, um, anybody who's from the disability or inclusion communities, um, because we really feel that it's important that the communities are here and a part of the conversation. We wanted to make sure that the tickets for those communities are all free. Um, so you can get those free tickets on our site. On the site, it says students, nonprofits, and um, and community groups. Um, if you're not, if you're, you know, kind of a volunteer or you're working in the spaces, that, that's it. You're you're eligible. You can get a free ticket. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask for your badge. <laughs> so and we've made sure as well that the whole event is is really accessible so we've got full wheelchair access there's changing places toilets um it is in the main theater but if people we are going to be showing it in the other rooms outside so if people want to stay in the cafe or the bar they're able to kind of be in separate spaces within it um we aren't making it live um online for this first event 
just because we were worried about the quality of the video feed and the captioning. But what we are doing is we will be recording every talk and then we'll be releasing the videos properly captioned afterwards for free for people to be able to watch. Great. And so that's brilliant. So it's just an all day event, I guess. Yeah, so the morning, it's an all-day event, but it's kind of, it's mixed up a bit. So in the morning, we've got a series of talks. We've kept all the talks at about 10 minutes. Um, I've got ADHD and I can't listen to a 40-minute talk. <laughs> so um, they're short and sharp and really just people sharing really nice their stories and what's motivated them. Um, and then we've got lunch. Um, we've got a, a few different lunch options that people can sign up to or they can bring their own lunches or they can grab lunch at MS if they want um and then we're back again the af the morning talks are more from the tech perspective um and then the afternoon talks are a bit more about that impact and from the community perspective and then we have a few workshops um after coffee and cakes um and those ones are more on that co-creation so how do we create great products one of the topics I think is really interesting, um, we touched on it a little bit, uh, we're looking at like two taboo. So like what are the areas that are still potentially not talked about that are missing innovation in um, so that people actually just because for different social reasons or just a lack of awareness don't realize there's just huge opportunities to innovate in these spaces. So we're doing a bit of a listening workshop to there. So it's, that's a great one for anybody that says, I've got this, I could really use help in it. Me and my whole community would really like a piece of tech in this space. That's what that workshop is for. <laughs> um, and then also a chance for people to kind of uh, learn from other, that there's going to be programs here talking about how they can support people that want to either get into their work or want to get into different startup programs. Um, and then, that all finishes kind of around five. Um, people can, it's really informal. So if people can only make it to one part and they need to leave, it's fine. Um, you know, come as, for as long as you can and stay for as much as you can. Um, the In the evening, we also have a, It's we've called it like a fringe event. So we've joined forces with a community theater company called 99P Films, um, who put show documentaries and they're going to come in in the evening and they're going to show a film called um, Coded Bias, which is looking at AI and facial recognition and the biases built into it. Um, so that's going to be looking at racism and ableism in AI. Um, and it's that's nice. That's just a film night. Um, and then afterwards, there'll be a talk and a discussion about it and a big kind of community feast. Um, that, if you have a ticket for Control or Delete, you can come along to the film. Um, but if you're not able to go to control or delete during the day and you just want to come to the film bit, they've got separate tickets for that on their website too. So that the community film night was also a chance for a lot of locals. If they can't make it to the tech event or maybe they, they don't feel the tech event's relevant to them, but they want to come to an inclusive event and still join in some of the conversations, then that film night is there for them. And that includes food as well. This sounds like an absolutely amazing event. I mean, so why did it's, it's kind of almost a national event more than more the local event? It's like a national event being held in Cornwall. That's literally what my my brief to myself was. That was my dream. As I thought, you know, I love Cornwall so much. I think it's amazing, and I think especially you mentioned earlier. You know, we've got a population with huge amounts of challenges which build resilience which has created some awesome companies and people and programs and so I just wanted to have a chance to bring a national event to Cornwall one so that our local community can benefit from that we don't have to travel up to London to hear these guys talk yeah hooray. And two, I know exactly um and two it gives us a chance to show off our county what we can do that it's not just holidays that, you know, in the heart of Truro, we, we can have these really important, serious conversations, that we are a group that is serious about this kind of stuff, and we should be invited to these conversations. And and more, most importantly, we can host them. Um, I think it slightly annoyed me that it took kind of Entropy, which is an amazing event, but, you know, they took over Eden Project. They're a London-based company. And I was like, why? why? I don't want the London-based organizations coming down and using our beautiful venues. I want us 
I want Cornish-based organizations to, to do that and to grow it and to attract these audiences. Most excellent. What can we say? You know, that all sounds absolutely brilliant. Um, you mentioned a couple of websites where people can go to book tickets. Which websites would those be to book tickets for? Yeah, so the main ticket site is Control Alt Delete. So that's uh, C T R L A L T A L T D E L summit.co.uk. Um, I can share it with you afterwards if you're able right. to. Um, yeah. And the tickets are on there. Um, and then if you just wanted to come to the film night, it's 99p films. It's important to say, we are both nonprofit organizations. Um, so all of this is going back into, and we are paying every speaker who's coming. That was a really big thing for me. A lot of people that speak and participate in this space don't have their time valued. Um, so we are paying for them to speak and their travel costs. We're booking accessible hotel rooms. Like we're really trying to make this um, something that is a value and, and really changing the way that events are done as well as the way that um, the industry works. Um, but yeah, so you can also find us, we've got, we've really started to do a lot more on LinkedIn um, and we're really, really happy to shout out about any programs or projects or things that people are doing in this space. So if any of your listeners have programs in this space or doing things in this space, have companies in this space, just hit us up on LinkedIn and we'll promote it, we'll share it. We would love to really be a, you know, we we are not a disability organization in ourselves, but if we can help magnify and kind of blast out other people's messages, that's what we're here for. Um, and the only other thing I would say is we, we are full for our speakers, um, but if people are interested in getting involved with it, um, we have potential for volunteers. Um, we're looking at opportunities for work experience as well um and absolutely everybody is welcome it's a fully accessible building so we're fully accessible in terms of volunteers and there's lots of things that people can do on it you won't be sat in a corner um doing nothing and, unless you're manning the coat check in which case your responsibility is literally to be in the corner <laughs> watching the coats but everybody will have a job to do um so yeah brilliant hey well listen it's been great talking to you what um what didn't we talk about that you want to talk about is there anything that was glaring emission that we should have been talking about i can't think of anything um i think i think i've uh kind of covered all of it um but i feel like we started off in one space and we moved into a completely different one because i yeah. my, my background my knowledge was that you were working in a space for for girls and women and tech and that's all a very good space and we've moved into this space about accessibility and tech and it's they are related but they're both quite different as well yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a good place to land is I do have a lot of people kind of going, what are you doing? Why are you doing these two things? My husband included um, in that. And, you know, I'm like, I have two responses. One is the whole, did I mention the ADHD thing? I like, I, 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 I used to say to people, I was like, I find a wicked problem. And I'm like, ooh, how can I do it? That sounds great. I'm now realizing um, with kind of quite late diagnosis, I'm like, oh, that, that's literally a thing. Um, but also to me they're so related I think that's one of the benefits of having that kind of brain is that actually I don't see them as being disconnected I see them being as incredibly interrelated I think all the relationships I've built with tech women and or all my experience with setting up tech women and tech girls and meeting so many people who'd like to take part in my programs but have different needs has really opened my ideas how as an organization I need to think about accessibility um and so that's you know that's led me to the accessibility space and then I was just so blown away by all the people in it um that I just wanted to give them a chance to be able to all to come together and have that voice but on the flip side I'm getting so much from being in the space and that would be my thing to take away is you know it's coming into it and meeting the people that work in it meeting the founders that are in it and the speakers that are in it I was saying with what one of the guys who's coming down um, works for EY, which used to be Ernst and Young, and he works trying to help young offenders um, see if there's a way for them to get into into tech. Um, and we were saying it can be really, really hard when you're kind of at the coal face working in an impact based industry, and we come up against statistics that are shockingly bad. 
and you move the dial a tiny bit, but it just doesn't feel like you're ever doing enough. But when you get everyone together and we all talk to each other, you're a bunch of really excited, impact-driven people all in the same room. You just feed off each other's energy. You you get to tell them how amazing you think they are. They tell you what you're doing is great. And it's just really rewarding. And it's really nice to be able to have that time to really see how you could then collaborate and do cool stuff together. And I think when you are in a space that's traditionally underfunded, under misunderstood and, and really often overlooked, collaboration is key. It's the only way to get things done. You know, me working with Disability Cornwall and some of the other organizations, I didn't know a lot of the stuff that they were able to point me to and encourage me to understand, really make me understand co-production, not just co-creation. And I think that's that for me has been the, the biggest takeaway and the biggest benefit and why I'm really excited about doing it is just that that ability to be then surrounded by all these other impact organizations so we can all really that whole, you know, raise all ships if we can be working together. Brilliant. Yeah, positive feedback leads. Yes, exactly. That's you need those. <laughs> that's what we want. It's a time of difficulty, so we need those things. Yeah. And awareness. You know, I think the other thing, too, is if you work in the impact space, you can get lazy. You can think, oh, I'm so great. I'm doing this to help women and not realizing who you're leaving out. So it's really nice to get to know each other, to be like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, my gosh. How do I what can I do now to include them? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's about removing those blinkers as well. Again, going back to that intersectionality thing. Of like, am I helping all women to be able to do this? Am I helping all people that identify as women to be able to do this? Um, you know, and that, and as you mentioned earlier, you know, do we have enough things for where wheelchair users can be doing it? Even I had a great conversation with somebody today um, who I was saying, oh, it'd be amazing if it was 300 people or 400 people, you know, and she pointed out and I was like, of course. And she's like, well, no, because if you've got wheelchair users, it's really nice for them to actually have space to be able to move around and not ask people to move. And I was like, oh, that's a really good point. Okay, 200 people, <laughs> you know, and making sure we've got lots of low seating. And again, it's being able to have those conversations with somebody who is a wheelchair user to understand it yeah. um, and go, you know, so that, that's that been the real joy for me is the all the learning that I get to do by surrounding myself with such in, intelligent and inspiring people. Brilliant. So that's where we end. Nothing about us without us. Exactly. Love it. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time and uh, thank you for having me. Best of luck with the event. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye.